0: Thank you, Brian, and uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us today. Um, I've been tasked with uh, bringing a brief message. It was emphasized to me several times, brief. Uh, A brief message to kind of get you fired up, get us all fired up for uh, G-City. So I want to do that. So we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple. That's what we've been working on for six weeks And um, by the way, I want to say to many of you, thank you for your encouragement, your blessings, uh, your questions. It's been really, really encouraging to me. But a disciple, as we've discovered, is something much different than a Christian. A Christian can be anything you want it to be, uh, because it's not defined in the Bible. But a disciple is something very, very specific. A A disciple is someone who follows Jesus who has the heart of Jesus, who wants to do the works of Jesus, who wants to say the words of Jesus, that's what a disciple is. And the one thing we've talked about over and over again is that when you're a disciple and Jesus is urging you to do something or say something or be something or act something, when he wants you to do something, your response always is what? Yes. Yes. And today, I want today to be a yes day. A day that we say yes. And that's what we're going to do, uh, in, uh, do by doing G-City. We're going to say yes to what Jesus has asked us to do and to be. So um, I selected a text today that um, is really wonderful, but it's kind of complicated. Originally, I was going to just do a portion of it the warm, fuzzy portion, but that doesn't really do justice to the whole text. So uh, if you have your Bibles, your devices, your phones, your uh, uh, smartphones, whatever you have, I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. I was just going to do, in fact, up on the screen will just be verses 34 to 40, but I decided I want to expand it so that we have the integrity of the entire text. And when we do this, it's going to bring up maybe more questions than, uh, than we can address today, we'll do our best to uh, let you know before we get to the meat of the text. So I'd like to be reading from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Now remember, uh, chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew are all about the second coming of Jesus and the things that are going to happen after the second coming of Jesus, which includes judgment, Includes the millennial reign, all those kinds of things. So if you want to know a lot about that, the end times, um, if you're one of those that believes the end times uh, could be next week, uh, I've got some good news and some bad news. It could be next week. It also could be in the next nanosecond. So uh, it's going to happen. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says very clearly, Jesus will break through the eastern sky and he will return. And when he does that, everything is going to start in terms of judgment, in terms of the millennial reign, and uh, the promises that Jesus makes that he will make what all things new all things new so that's kind of the backdrop to chapters 24 and 25 Jesus long discourse on the end times the second coming of Jesus Christ we pick it up at verse uh, 31 of chapter 25 and I'll be reading from the uh, NLT I didn't do a very good job of communicating to Katie what I needed today so uh, you'll only see portion of this but you'll understand it when you hear it starting at verse 31 But when the the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, so that's the second coming, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will gather in His presence, will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. So already there you've got, okay, I've got questions. Can I be a sheep? Uh, well, of course you can. Uh, and nobody wants to be a goat, right? So we'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, okay? Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited. Now Jesus is saying these words to the disciples. Then verse 37, Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? It's an obvious question that these righteous ones are asking the king. We know which is Jesus, right? Verse 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, You are doing it to me. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? In fact, we're going to hang on that. That's how we're going to love today. That's how we're going to say yes today. But I do want to finish the chapter because I want to give integrity to the text. Uh, That's the warm and fuzzy part. The next part's not very warm and fuzzy. Then the king will turn to those on the left, and who are the ones on the left? The goats, okay? And say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, the king will answer, Jesus will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Again, to keep integrity in the text, I want to give you a hopefully two and a half minute theological discourse on judgment. Okay? Um, Now, there's a lot more that can be said, that's a whole sermon series in itself, but I just want you to have the framework for this idea of the least of these and how we're supposed to treat them. So if you want to understand judgment, you have to really look at uh, Revelation along with other passages, but I want to read a few verses from Revelation uh, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Okay, so let me read that. This is Revelation 20, 11 to 15. And I, and I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. So <clears throat> this white throne, all people are standing before it, right? And the sea was gone, and I, excuse me uh, let me back that up. Um, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books, plural, were opened including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Ooh, that's really ugly. Now, back in the day you know, Jonathan Edwards and others. This was great. They preached on this stuff all the time. Now, you don't hardly hear people preach on this these days. But I just want to give you a little tutorial on judgment. So here's what it looks like. First of all, there's books, okay? And if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, you realize that um, th- these books are really two kind of separate books. One book is all the deeds of all the things that you've done all of your life, all the things that you've thought, said, and done, okay? And we've got a little presentation today. Uh, We've selected a few of you to show all of the sins that you've done in your... Okay, we're going to run that right... No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We can't even get David up there, and he's a good guy, right? So, But uh, but all of these books are filled with all the things you've said, and, and there is none righteous, no, not one, None of us can stand before God and we wilt in the presence of a glorious God because of our sin and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's everyone. So those books are chock full and it's bad. And you say, man, do I have to be judged by my works? So let me give you an example. So I'm going to ask, I need two volunteers. I'm going to get Steve and Sherry up here to help me. Now, uh, one of you uh, gets to be a sinner and one of you gets to be Jesus. You decide. I don't know Jesus okay okay so (laughs) okay so Sherry's gonna be uh, Jesus right okay okay and Steve's gonna be a sinner because Steve's gonna face me I'm God I get to be God okay now when these books are opened Steve is standing before God and he has no defense whatsoever he literally wilts in the presence of God because of his sins That's when Steve is a goat, when he has said no to Jesus. When he has said, no, 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 I want no part of you. No, I'm not a disciple. He will be judged according to his works. Now, when when, when Steve says yes to Jesus, when he receives Jesus Christ into his life, when he becomes a disciple, when he becomes a sheep of the shepherd, here's what happens. He still stands before God, but now... Jesus is in between, is in between. And when God looks at Steve's sin, he sees Steve's sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is seen as what? Righteous and holy and forgiven. And for all eternity, he will be with me. Now, you guys can sit down. Thank you. Let's give him a hand. Those are very, very good. Very good. Okay. But do you see what I'm saying? If you want to be a goat, if you want to be held accountable for your sins, that's your choice. Jesus Christ blockaded the road to hell with the cross. If you want to go around the cross, it's your choice. God said, I don't want that. I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But he gave you a free will. You can choose that. You can say, I want to be a goat. But if you want to be a sheep, you say yes to Jesus. You become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And when God looks at you at judgment, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and He sees you through Jesus. That's what you. That's why you want to be a sheep. So here's another, this other metaphor for a disciple, and that is a sheep. Now goats are interesting. Um, goats are stubborn. They're independent. Uh, they're selfish. And they do not follow the goat herder. Actually, the goat herder follows them because they go exactly where they want to go. That's a really good metaphor for people who have said no to Jesus. Now, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm not a disciple. I'm a Christian, maybe, but I'm not a disciple. I'm not a follower of you. I'm going to do what I want to do, and nobody can tell me otherwise. That's a choice. That's a choice. Those are the goats, those are the ones on the left. On the right are those sheep. And sheep, Now, some people say that sheep aren't very smart. That's not true. I was doing a little research on sheep. Sheep are very smart, but they've made a choice. They've made a choice that their best way for survival is to follow the shepherd. And the shepherd, listen to this, the shepherd knows their name. He knows their name. He calls them by name. Maybe black ear or crooked foot or Fluffy, or any number of sheep names you can come up with. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know their shepherd. Now, it's in this context that we read these words. Don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. It was under the goat section. It says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. There's the key. Do you know Jesus or do you not know Jesus? That's the key. So what do sheep do? Here's what sheep do. Let me read it again. Verse, 35, or verse uh, 35. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. These are those, the Bible says, that are blessed by my Father. These are the ones who are blessed by my Father. Now, listen, this is very important, again, theological moment. Works, good works, doesn't save anybody. But those who are saved, those who are sheep, do good works. See the difference there? Good, some religions, claim that good works, if you're good, you know, how many times have you ever heard, sometimes it bothers me, you go to a funeral, and, you know, uh, Uncle Joe was, you know, he had his problems, but but he was a good guy, you know, well, (laughs) the Bible doesn't say that's the case, you know, if you've said no to Jesus, you're not a good guy, you know, and so here we have this idea that we are not saved by our works, but our works reveal that we are saved. Okay, so that, you have to keep that in mind when we look at this passage. And we know that from Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. Let me read you that real quick. You, those of you who have been around the Bible know this already. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's it. That's the only way you're saved, is by your faith in Jesus Christ. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, His workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We are redeemed in Christ, so we can do the good things that He wants us to do. We don't do the good things in order to be saved. Because we are saved, because we are sheep, because we are disciples, we do, that's what Jesus' followers do. That's what Jesus' followers did. He created us anew so we can do good things. So the key to all of this is not whether or not you're good, but it's whether or not you know the shepherd. The shepherd knows your name, very intimate, and you know the name of the shepherd. You have this relationship with him. There was a, there's a wonderful story. Uh, this took place back in the 1950s. Only a few of us remember those days. And in the 1950s, uh, one of the most famous actors in the world at that time, you'll recognize his name, was Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston of Ben-Hur, The Ten Commandments, a bunch of other movies made in the uh, mid to late uh, 1950s. And uh, there was a a party at his house, a big party. A lot of famous people were there. And included in in, uh, the party was Charlton Heston's pastor, uh, an elderly, elderly pastor. He was in his late 80s, and so they were in the party, and and uh, somebody said, "Hey, you know, Charlton, would you do us a favor? Would you do some recitals because the guy has an amazing voice. Have you ever heard his his him do, read the Bible uh, audio? On, get that sometime. Charlton Heston reading the Bible in an audio uh, version of the Bible. It's great, but uh, he had a beautiful voice, very commanding, very compelling. So they asked. So he did some different um, recitations. And and then finally said, hey, would you do the 23rd Psalm? And he said, sure, I'd be happy to. And and you know the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said it with perfect diction. Every word had power and passion. It was just beautiful. Uh, When he was done, everybody stood to their feet and applauded. It was amazing. And after that, Charlton Heston, you know, I have a favor I'd like to ask of my pastor sitting right down here, uh, I'd like to ask him if he would come up and also say the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I'm sorry, the 23rd Psalm. And the old pastor didn't want to, but he finally he agreed and he came up kind of bent and broken. Voice was kind of gruff and kind of hoarse and uh, he couldn't stand up tall anymore, but he stood up and he said something like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He satisfies my soul. And when the pastor was done, there was no applause. There was just stunned silence. Charlton Heston got up and he said, you know what? I know the 23rd Psalm, but my pastor knows the shepherd. That's what we're talking about. It's not about knowing something. It's about knowing Jesus. That's how we become sheep. That's how we start living our lives as disciples. We love him. So I want this to be a yes day for us. As disciples, we're going to say yes. Uh, We're going to say yes to these projects. We're going to say yes to all of that. We're going to be with each other. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. And we're going to serve our community because we have said yes to Jesus. We're going to say yes to our communities. So I know sometimes you think that sheep are stupid, but no, they just follow the shepherd. And today we're going to follow the shepherd. I want to close with a a true story. Uh, Some of you have seen it online. Uh, How many saw the video of the Tallahassee... um, police officer shaving the homeless man how many have seen that okay several quite a few of you so here's here's the deal if you haven't seen it you can go online on youtube and see it so there's a homeless man standing outside a convenience store and he's found a, a, a some a, an electric razor but it's not working and he's kind of how trying to and this police officer comes up to him and said hey how can i help you and he said well i can't get can you help me get this thing to work so he tried to fiddle with it and finally got it to work and And uh, the homeless guy was just kind of fighting. And finally, the police officer, he he said, can I shave you? He said, that'd be great. And then as as he's doing that, he's talking. He said, well, why are you doing this? Well, I I was told at McDonald's that I could have a job if I could be clean shaven. And so I'm going to go. And so it shows this police officer, and somebody obviously with their phone was taking this picture of this. He didn't know it was being taken. And he's just kind of shaving him and getting him all cleaned up. And later he was interviewed, and... A lot of people are saying, why did you do this? Well, that's just who I am. And and finally, with one of the interviews, here's what he said. Why did you do that? I was just trying to give that man a cup of cold water. He was just treating that man like he was Jesus. Now, when we fill these backpacks, when we do whatever you women do over here, I have no (laughs) idea. When we cook a meal back there... We are doing, listen, we are doing that for Jesus. We are doing that. Isn't that wonderful, the thought of that? We are doing that for Jesus. So let's this be a yes day and a yes moment, and we're a yes church, and we are the followers of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, what a joy it is to uh, be your servants. What a joy it is to be sheep of your pasture. We follow you as shepherd. We follow you as Lord and King and Savior. We are so thankful that we are your sheep. We have said yes, and because we have said yes, we have your heart and we have your hands and your desire to serve others. May we do that with a great big yes in our voices, and in our actions, may we do that because we are doing it unto Jesus. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Amen.